One of the last lines that we share in the Christmas story is the 12th verse of Matthew 2. Right after the wise men get to the right place after their detour to Herod's palace, they find the newborn king of the Jews in Bethlehem. They worship him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they return to their country by another way. We read that verse we sing the last carol, go tell it on the mountain, and then we undecorate the Christmas tree, pack the manger scene away. But that is not the end of the story of the birth of Jesus. This is. Beginning in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The story of the birth of the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, that story, birth story ends with the slaughter of the innocents. And the holy wise men were warned, and the holy family was warned in a dream, but there was no warning, no dreams, no protection for the other families in Palestine. Right from the beginning, the story of Jesus is the story of two kingdoms. One is passing away and one is coming to be. One is waxing and one is waning. The whole story of Jesus is the story of the conflict, the clash, the confrontation between these two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, which Jesus ushers in, which is a kingdom of salvation and redemption and renewal for all humanity, for the created earth and all the cosmos and the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms and empires and governments of men that are being replaced and displaced and even destroyed by the kingdom of God. The story of Jesus is the story of these two kingdoms that cannot exist side by side. The kingdom of human power and the kingdom of the glory of God and neither 
will yield an inch to the other. And when the kingdom comes, when it dawns with the birth of Jesus, then all the rulers of the kingdoms of this earth know, they know that the kingdom of God is a threat to all their treasure, all their power, all authority. And Herod knows this. King Herod knows that when these wise magi strangers show up, he knows that when these strangers come saying that they saw a star and asking him, where is the king of the Jews? And according to the world, that is Herod is the king of the Jews. The Roman empire, which controls and has conquered the whole world. The Roman empire has given Herod permission to reign over under them over Judea, Palestine. And Herod wasn't of the line of David, but Rome didn't care. He promised them loyalty and they gave him power. But when those strangers show up, you'd expect Sarah to, you would expect Herod to say, excuse me, who do you think you are? And throw them out. But instead, he takes it very seriously. Why? Because he knows. He knows. Because he is a Jewish man. He, too, is a child of the covenant. And he knows that he sits on a throne that is not his by right. He knows he took from Rome a throne that was God alone to give. So when they come in talking of a star, he takes them very seriously because like all his people, he's been waiting for the one that God will send to save his people, to restore the people of Israel. But for him, the coming is not good news. It's not his hope. It's his fear. It's his dread. And you know the story. Herod, as they say, is a crafty fox. And so he flatters the strangers. He lies to them. He says that he too is eager to worship the newborn king. And why the wise men believed that makes no sense to me. Herod is not interested in being a part of anything that God is doing. He does not want a new day. He likes the current one. Herod, like all the rulers of the kingdoms of this earth, like all the winners of this day, he claims that he has ultimate freedom and authority to do whatever he wants. But the truth is, he is very weak. And he sees everything as a threat against him. And whether he believes that God is sent a new king or not, he will take no chance. And so he does what he thinks he must to proclaim protect what he claims as his own. And since he's gotten the wise men to tell him when the star appeared, he calculates how old the child would be and any boy child under that age is a threat. And so he does what the rulers of this age and every age do when they see a threat. He uses the power he worships to protect himself. And that is the power of violence. And that is the power to kill. And so he orders his soldiers to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and the Bethlehem region, all who are two and under. And his soldiers go from house to house following orders. And of necessity, innocent children will be killed, but the threat to Herod's kingdom must be destroyed. And so they all must die for the greater good, to maintain order and control, to keep the peace. And a voice rings out in Rapha. Wait, no, that's the present day. The present day that echoes the tragic past. 
when a voice rings out in Ramah and Rachel weeping for her children, she will not be consoled. And Herod has done what the kingdoms of this world give him the authority to do. Herod has done what gives him power. He has killed everyone he knows who might be a threat to him. And in Herod's day, very few people liked his kingdom. Probably no one loved his kingdom, but everyone feared it. And the perverse power of Herod's kingdom is that it is so toxic that he doesn't just have to kill other people's children to maintain it. He also kills his own at the end. That's all he has is the power to kill. And in this story that we read on this night, we see the myth of redemptive violence laid bare. And it is not hard to see tonight how gruesome and evil it is, this idea that we do violence to make peace, that we would kill in order to be righteous. This human desire to have the power to kill and the power to take and to make and keep peace with the sword, this is a terrible story. And it is our story still. And there is nothing about the hope that we have in Jesus that should make this story of this massacre make peace with us. There is nothing about the hope that we have with Jesus that should make this story be easy for us. Jesus didn't come to make this story seem okay to us. Jesus came to open our eyes to see that it is not, that there is another way. But with this story, we see right from the beginning that Jesus came into our world, into the real world into the very same stories that we are still watching on the news every night. And we see in this story how deeply and desperately we need a savior because the kingdoms that we are building for ourselves, the kingdoms that we are swearing allegiance to, they are destroying us. And Jesus is born to save us, and he is Lord of a different kingdom, and it is the kingdom of God come to earth, and the glory of Jesus is fiercely tender, and he has the power to lay down his life. And in his resurrection, he destroys the power death holds over us. And he opens the way into his realm for us, a new kingdom, an alternative kingdom, a different kingdom of peace and flourishing. When Jesus comes into the world and brings into the world his kingdom, with it comes a call for decision. We must decide which kingdom we will serve. Will we serve the kingdoms of this earth who promise to keep us safe by their power to kill, who promise that their killing is righteousness? The only thing that binds us to them is our fear. 
And Jesus has come to set us free and show us that his kingdom is amongst us and that there is another way, another kingdom. And it was the kingdom that we were made for, a kingdom of shalom where some don't have to die so that others can live, a kingdom of peace that is not built on bloodshed, but on the mercy, grace, and glory of God. This isn't a kingdom that we can make but we can, by the grace of God, be made new in it. So tonight, in a moment, we are going to come forward to the table and we are going to have a chance to receive the ashes, but it's really not so that you will have a moment to contemplate your own mortality and feel philosophical about it. We're not taking the ashes on our bodies so that we can leave here ready to seize the day and savor our fleeting lives. Though there's nothing wrong if you want to do that, but don't settle for that because it's really just the booby prize. Tonight, you are here to see the clash between the two kingdoms, the kingdom that Jesus is rescuing rescuing us from and the kingdom that Jesus is rescuing us for. Tonight, we are here to see those two kingdoms and once again receive the gracious invitation through this table to be made a citizen of Christ's kingdom. And we take the ashes upon our body to remember that the only threat the kingdoms and rulers of this world can make is to take our lives. And Jesus promises to keep us not always from death, but always through death into life so that in Christ we have nothing to fear. One day we all will die and on that day we will enter fully into the eternal salvation of Jesus Christ. But until that day, As we live each day choosing the kingdom of God, saying no to the powers of death and yes to the powers of life, no matter what it costs us, we can say with the Apostle Paul that if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. But live or die, we belong to Christ and we will rejoice in his kingdom because we are already citizens and the treasure we have can never be taken from us. And no matter how brutal the threats might be, the promises we find in Christ are sure and they will endure. Because the truth is the kingdom of Herod did pass away. But the kingdom of Christ still stands and always will. And there is a place for us there.